You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Simon Walthorton. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 15 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and with me in another kitchen studio <laughs> is Simon Walthorton. Hello, Simon. Hello, Carlos. Uh, how are you? You're in uh, my uh, headquarters today. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're coming today from uh, Biggles the, HQ. Uh, Biggles HQ. Yes, the uh, Walthorton Mansion. We're here that uh, bringing you episode fifteen. It's fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, we're on number fifteen. God, we're in. Uh, we're well into double figures now. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, we're zooming through them. We're I can't def- believe we've been going that long. So I know. I know. It's going good. It's going good. And we've got some good feedback as well to play later on in the show yes. from uh, one of our listeners, yes. which is good. Um, so yeah, we're coming today. Uh, the uh, date today is what's the date today? Twenty ninth, twenty ninth of March, and it's uh, just gone half past eleven in the morning. Yes, and uh, yeah, I'm over at uh, Simon's house today yes. for a change. Uh, yes, yeah. uh, in Suffolk. So uh, in Suffolk, yeah. we're still uh, in Suffolk uh, where you are, but uh, it's good. So yeah, yeah. So we've got uh, loads of news to go through, and Simon's got quite a bit of uh, military stuff uh, news for you as well this episode. Yeah. And, uh, and well, ha- get- how's your week been, Simon? Uh, yes, uh, busy at work. I only had one day off, so uh, I've got nine days off now. So uh, Nine days yes, off? Yes, nine days. You must uh, have everyone's dream job. I wish I did, um, but... Um, I'm catching up with you, I think, uh, later on in uh, Bungie, so... Yes, yes, uh, yes. Simon's of... coming out tonight to uh, to our local uh, public pub and uh, to where I'm doing the karaoke for tonight. Simon's going to come and join me, so uh, hopefully he'll be singing later for us all. No? <laughs> no, we could be talking aircraft. Can uh, we do <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we could do a podcast from the uh, from the pub. Uh, I don't quite know how that would go down with the, uh, with the people in there drinking. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we could we could give it a go. Or we could pl- actually we could play them uh, today's episode. Yeah, we could. Rather than play music, we'll play yeah. today's podcast. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll be kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good that we've got listeners who like us uh, talking aviation, but uh, I don't think a, a pub full of drunk people are going to like us talking. No, aviation, no, 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 definitely not. No. So uh, we've got, like I said, loads of news to get through, and. Uh, we're going to kick off the news. Are you ready, Simon? Yeah, let's ready to rock. Right, let's get the news on. So, first piece of news then, kicking off this week is as it has been the last uh, episode. As the last episode is about the Malaysian Airlines uh, missing aircraft. We say missing because it's not been found yet. Yes, yeah. Um, this has been going on far too long, I think, don't you? Yeah, yeah. We've had so many reports now of uh, David being, being seen in the sea uh, in various locations. We hopefully think that now uh, they have uh, possibly narrowed down the search to an area where they have found quite a lot of debris in the water, some quite large pieces. Um, there was uh, a tweet uh, from the Australian Marine Safety Authority, um, and they said that uh, the Royal New Zealand Air Force P3 Orion aircraft first spotted the objects uh, on Friday. Um, the sightings, which included two rectangular objects that were blue and grey among the colours of the missing plane, but they need to be confirmed by personnel on board ships that are being involved in the search. Uh, I've been following the news, and apparently they're hoping that uh, they're going to get a, 
a ship there at some point today. Yes, they've uh, um, actually uh, moved the search area, um, which is a little bit closer to the um, uh, west coast of Perth, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah. It's, um, from okay. where they were searching originally, you're looking at the uh, map here, which uh, how far is that from Perth? Uh, one thousand six hundred eight kilometers. Yeah, one thousand six hundred eight kilometers. So it's uh, yeah, slightly closer to Perth, which is is better for uh, for boats for getting out there. Yes, and also for the PC three um, military Orion, yeah. uh, uh, which has uh, been carrying out the searches. Uh, I think they've got a few of those in the air, and one or two other military aircraft. Yeah, um, Poseidon as well. They've but they Poseidon. have um, obviously due to the uh, area that they're searching, it is quite a long distance from land, and uh, it's. It is quite hard for them, and uh, it's a long transit out and a long transit back, but the duration they get out there for searching isn't that uh, good, is it, because of uh, fuel consumption? Yeah, and the weather doesn't help as well. They've been been hampered by weather. Yes, they've had uh, a couple of uh, uh, bad uh, cancellation days for this um, due to the uh, high winds and the uh, rough seas. So um, it does play havoc uh, with uh, the aircraft and obviously uh, the boats as well, because uh, it's very choppy and it's a very... Very uh, risky area for sailing and flying, um, obviously being quite a, way, a distance from land. Yeah, they've, uh, there's some 10 aircraft included in the search, uh, which include nine military planes uh, that are involved. And there's also six ships which are being sent to that region. Yes. Uh, the first of which I think is going to be a Chinese uh, ship that's going to get there at some point, like we said, today, sometime this yes. afternoon, hopefully. And I think there's one uh, UK ship that's uh, even heading to the area as yeah, well. Yeah, I think we've got one of our, our ships, as we reported in the last podcast, uh, one of our Royal Navy ships is on its way there as well for search uh, operations. So fingers crossed, Simon. Yes. Um, I mean, well, fingers crossed. I mean, let's hope that they do... Yes, find because, something. Um, um, we're now in sort of third week, uh, really. Uh, third we? week, yeah. and we are on sort of borrowed time now for the black boxes because they only have a certain lifespan. Thirty days, yeah. Thirty days, but they can. Um, what I was listening to on the Sky News um, to one of the flight um, engineers from another airline, and they did say they do sometimes run over that thirty-day spell, but that is just. What? I think it depends on water temperature. Yes. I think it lasts longer in warm water. I yes. Think. In yes. colder waters, the ping doesn't, um, doesn't no. last as long. No, and uh, obviously the Americans have brought that um, drag boom over, which is a mm. uh, transmitter, which um, will try and pick up the pings from the black boxes um, if they are. <coughs> excuse me, if they're uh, in the uh, right area. Yeah, the uh, there's been so many different news stories following satellite images of air, of uh, debris in the water that uh, um, you know they've have had lots of pictures and stuff they've shown on Sky News of bits of uh, floating debris. But until they get a ship there um, with people who can look obviously um, with their own eyes at the uh, debris, then uh, we won't know um, for definite whether this is, this is wreckage from the aircraft. Um, but the uh, area that um, they're searching is quite a way away from uh, its actual flight path, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, I mean, they, they said, I think the news reports said that uh, the aircraft possibly travelled seven hours um, after its uh, transponder was switched off yes. and the ACAR system was switched off. Yeah, just uh, looks the area, that I uh, don't know whether the pilots knew the area they were uh, wanting to go to, but um, it's one of the most sort of remote areas um in the uh, sort of ocean, Indian Ocean, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Away from, like we were saying, away from so much uh, land. So, um, and uh, obviously, the, we, as we were saying, the rough seas are going to um, uh, break up uh, the aircraft and the drift uh, from the tidal surge 
and the uh, rough weather and uh, weather patterns down there is just going to hamper their searching. Yeah, I think one of the things as well, Som, is uh, if the aircraft has gone into the sea and sunk, um, the floating debris is going to be quite some distance from where the actual uh, main wreckage would be on the seabed. So, yes. you know, they would have to um, do tidal charts to see how far yes. that wreckage could have moved from uh, from where it went down. Yes, because uh, if I remember rightly, did I, I spoke to you about that um, part that was washed up on the uh, beach? Yes, yes, there was uh, some talk yet to be confirmed uh, on a beach in... Uh, the Indian Ocean, was it? Yeah, somewhere in the Maldives. Uh, Maldives, yeah, Maldives, and one of the islands. One of the uh, fire extinguishers uh, for the hold, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, someone uh, someone had found on one of the beach beaches washed up a uh, fire extinguisher, um, which is actually used in the 777 in the cargo hold. It's kind of a cylindrical um, stainless steel, sort of aluminium, uh, shiny aluminium. It looks, um, if, if you can picture it, it looks uh, a bit smaller than an old sea mine, but yeah. um, uh, which is very strange, but that's what it looks like. And yeah. It was washed up on the beach, so it may have been from that aircraft. It may not have, so yeah, have to we'll keep an eye on that. have to keep an eye on that as well. But uh, like we said, I mean, we can't report anything other than that at the moment um, for those listening now. Um, obviously, everyone follows us in the uh, news, um, Story Sky News, all the big news um, uh, programs and stuff. So hopefully today we might uh, hear something to bring yes, some sort of closure to, um, to this story. Yeah, and I think um, the news, um, some of the news reports are sort of making this still the number one priority a mm-hmm. bit of news, but... Um, on the on the other hand, some are uh, sort of putting it to the back of the queue because uh, they've got no other information other than what's going on at the moment, and there's no. just a uh, massive search going on. Yeah. So we'll leave that story then, yes, and uh, we'll follow that uh, as as and when. Just yes, keep your eyes open. Yes, um, I'm sure we'll be talking about this uh, for a few more podcasts to come. Yeah. So next piece of news then uh, is just loading up. There we go, Simon Wes. He says here, pointing at keys, there we go. <laughs> yep, the next piece of news then from the Burton Mail. This one um, is uh, about police issuing a plea uh, after an airport issue. Police are upping efforts to warn people about unacceptable behaviour around uh, East Midlands Airport after a laser pen was deliberately shone into the cockpit of a jet carrying holidaymakers as they came into land at East Midlands Airport. Leicestershire police revealed that they are looking to educate people after the nighttime targeting of two passenger jets and one cargo plane was carried out by three men, which took place last year. The dazzling beam was also directed into the airport's control tower, causing an air traffic controller to suffer a momentary loss of vision. There has been an increase in laser hits on planes over the last uh, few years, and in 2010 there were 1,494 reported incidents in the UK. A spokesman for East Midlands Airport said that intentionally targeting aircraft and distracting pilots and air traffic control with lasers is extremely irresponsible, and the safety of passengers and staff members is our first priority, and they support any action taken to deal with this matter. Um, Stansby of Suffolk Road, Stapen Hill, was handed a 12-month community order with supervision requirements. He was also ordered to attend 21 one-to-one sessions for thinking skills program with the probation service. So, still, there's still lasers being shining uh, yes. into... Um, yes, well, luckily they've uh, caught this uh, person, and um, let's hope 
um, that they can try and put a... Uh, but a 12-month community order. That's oh, you know, uh, ridiculous. They, they need to up the um, yes. up the game on what yes. they give these I people think, who do uh, this. I think there should be an age limit on these as well, because in the wrong hands, they are just being uh, a very dangerous object to use. And um, I think possibly in the future they should make it legal or legal to have a transmitter perhaps put in the uh, every laser pen. I know it may seem silly, but <laughs> mm. so that they can be uh, tracked and uh, picked up wherever they're uh, used, um, especially if they're getting shot into the cockpits of aircraft. Yeah, or a law. They need to put some sort of law in place as to, yes. um, to restrict the selling of these laser pens, really. Yes, um, It's just getting biz- just ridiculous now, really. And I think it won't be long before there's something... Uh, um, sort of catastrophic happen. Yeah. So moving on to our next news story then. Hopefully. Here we go. And uh, this is uh, on the London Living Through website. Um, this one is regarding Heathrow Airport and uh, more than 260 planes uh, landed at Heathrow with low fuel engine or engine problems or other technical faults in the last five years. Official figures revealed this week. 16 aircraft with low fuel, 34 with engine problems and 216 with other difficulties touched down there between 2009 and 2013. Many of the pilots would have demanded priority to land given their situation. There were 51 such incidents in 2013, 40 in 2012 and 66 in 2010. And Zach Goldsmith, Conservative MP for Richmond Park, said that anyone will be shocked to see these figures. It is yet another reason why we should not be massively increasing, possibly doubling air traffic over Heathrow. So, ooh, I didn't even realise. No, I, I, um, we're on. The, I'm on the uh, flight flight tracker and everything, and um, obviously get uh, flash ups on there when there's a problem with an aircraft. But I did not realise there was this many. Um, incidents, incidents yeah. and they aren't made that uh, public, are no. they? There's uh, been two reported near misses involving planes using Heathrow, uh, which are being investigated. The most recent was between a Boeing 747 and a private jet, uh, which was in November last year, and a regional jet and a paraglider two months earlier than that. Yes, now we talked about that, I think, in one of our previous podcasts. Yeah, I think we covered that one, didn't we, the, yes. the paraglider one. Yeah. Um, but this just goes to show that Heathrow is a busy airport, yes. definitely a busy airport, yes. and um, there, there are a lot of instances which, um, you know, thank uh, thank the heavens it doesn't ever uh, occur to, you know, anything yeah. anything worse than what just a sort of a near miss. Yes, or a, because the area that we're in... Um, uh, most of our UK listeners all uh, know, but if you're uh, listening from outside the UK or somewhere else in the world, um, we do have quite a big, um, small, I say, a big lot list of air, uh, airports um, in a small area. So what have we got? We've got Heathrow, we've got Gatwick, Stansted, Luton. We've yep. got Amsterdam, Schiphol, just over the uh, North Sea. Over the North Sea, yeah. And um, obviously it is not just for... Uh, cargo, uh, it's um, military as well, and uh, also passengers. So we've got quite a um, a mass of uh, airports in a, in a small sort of area. Yeah. If you've, uh, if for those of you who got the um, who've got an Android or an iPhone, you know, with the apps, Flight Radar Twenty Four Plane Finder, as me and Simon uh, use. Um, if you look on there, it's, it's surprising to see the amount of aircraft that don't fly over East Anglia. Yes. <laughs> they seem to all avoid East Anglia I like a plane. possibly that may be to do with um, <laughs> RAF Mildenhall, um, the US Air Force Base, and um, 
Lake and Heath as well, they are quite busy and we are a sort of um, area for refueling and everything over there. So I think that possibly maybe to keep that area freed up for the uh, military inbounds. But then if you do look on there on a Sunday, um, give, give a Sunday afternoon, it's a surprising amount of aircraft that are flying around London. There is it literally is. hundreds of aircraft is, in the air yeah. all over London. And they're all um, fighting for um, positions, aren't to they? To land, yeah. yeah. In, in a small, um, I say small, into a, an area fairly small. It's a great um, little app, really good yes, app for the phone. Yes, and um, it does actually show uh, what aircraft... Is actually flying and mm. its altitude, speed, and everything. So, if you uh, are interested, like us, we're passionate, and uh, it is good. Yeah. So, next piece of news then uh, is good news for Stansted Airport, uh, one of my favourite airports to fly yes. from. Uh, they've seen nearly a 1.18 million passengers pass through uh, the terminal in February 2014, up 6.9% over the corresponding month last year. The overall passenger number of passengers using the airport in the 12 months ending February 2014 climbed to 17.99 million, an increase of 3% over previous year. Uh, the fact that the number of passengers passing through Stansted in February was up 6.9% up on last year underlines just how much Stansted has changed for the better in MAG's ownership and reflects the strong confidence of airlines as they grow the number of services offered from the airport. The overall number of flights at the airport grew nearly 5% over February um, last year, as Ryanair particularly, uh, who in particular all, um, added more services and increased frequency of their flights. And also Pegasus Airlines enjoyed a strong passenger demand on its services to Turkey and connecting flights in the Middle East from its Istanbul hub. So good news for Stans today, Simon. Yes, uh, yeah, look, I was saying a little while ago... Um... <laughs> It's an increase of um, quite a few percent there, and that will only mean one thing, more aircraft in yeah. the skies. <laughs> exactly. More aircraft for me and Simon to uh, to, to watch. <laughs> and, and talk uh, about. And talk about, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I do like flying from Stansted. It's a, it's a great airport to fly from. Easy yeah. easy to get to. Yes, yeah. Um, well, yeah, it is a nice little airport, and uh, I, I enjoy it as well. So the next piece of news, then, is on the Dallas News business site. This one is regarding World Cargo Airlines, or Airways. Um, they're ending operations, um, but their sister company, North American Airlines, are going to keep flying. Um, for those of you who don't know, World Airways um, filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, along with parent Global Aviation Holdings, in November last year. Um, but they announced on Thursday that they're no longer flying um, as of Thursday uh, this week, just gone. Uh, it's a shame they're quite a large cargo airline in America, um, and they fly quite a number of different aircraft, the MD-11 and the 747-400 cargo types as well. Uh, Global Aviation Holdings and many of its subsidiaries, including <coughs> World Airways, began restructuring in November 2013, and World Airways has been in the marketplace for some months seeking funding to help its restructure. Uh, since it filed for bankruptcy, but they've been able to uh, secure that fa uh, financing. And uh, because of this, the airline is uh, going to cease to be, and the company has laid off 325 employees, which include 109 pilots, 146 flight attendants, um, which is, is sad, really, Simon. Yes, yes. Um, I just hope uh, that the, some of these um, people can get um, other jobs with other airlines, uh, whether, whether it be cargo or for um, civilian, um, and uh, I would imagine these aircraft will uh, be transited up to Mojave Desert and put in storage. Well, I think they might be snapped up by other cargo airlines. Yes. I mean, the MD-11 is a popular one. Yes, FedEx, um, I know FedEx uh, use that um, yeah. 
And I know uh, UPS, they mainly use uh, Boeing 757s and uh, Airbus. um, But the North American Airlines are going to continue their operations with plans to emerge from bankruptcy in the near future. North American was founded in 1989 and operates passenger charter flights using the Boeing 767-300ER aircraft. Um, but it is sad news that uh, Weld Cargo are going to finish. I mean, I've, I've, um, you know, I've seen a lot of their aircraft. Yes, um, uh, me too. Flying around and uh, pictures and stuff online. Yes. Um, but I think it is, there is a lot of competition out there. Yes, there, there are is. a lot of car, yeah. big cargo yes. airlines well, in this country. What have we got? We got DHL. That's our main one. And um, there's one or two other smaller ones, uh, which I don't know the names of. But You've got UPS in the States, and you? Yes, know, they're, they're uh, FedEx. FedEx. And yeah. uh, like we were saying, they use the um, uh, DC-10, so um, hopefully they'll get snapped up. And uh, if that happens, and that's the case, hopefully those people who have been laid off may get jobs Jobs elsewhere, yeah. Hopefully yeah. those pilots as well will be able to, um, to secure you know, a job with another airline yeah. flying uh, a similar type. I yeah. know... Uh, Swiss Air still fly the MD-11. Yes, they do, um, yeah. So hopefully they'll get jobs there. Moving on then, Grimsby Telegraph, this one. And uh, there we covered a, a similar story on the last podcast about um, interesting parking fines at airports. This one is at Grimsby Airport, and a mum was fined the equivalent of £15 per second after parking her car at Humberside Airport. Um be warned, this was the advice from a Grimsby motorist who was fined for stopping for four seconds on a road into Humberside Airport. Denise Catley, 68, of Strokens Close, was uh, shocked when she received a letter last month demanding she paid a fine of £60. It came five months after the offence at 9.50am on Saturday the 3rd of September last year. The retired community auxiliary nurse had visited the airport to pick up her son returning from work on the North Sea oil rigs and uh, she'd obviously stopped for these few few seconds and um, got this fine for £60. She wrote appealing against a fine but got another warning that if she didn't pay she'd face a £100 fine if she didn't pay up. (coughs) <coughs> the mother of uh, three said that uh, the letter notified her of the signs at the entrance to the airport and she said that uh, she didn't know where the sign was. Uh, it must be very small. Um, when I arrived at the airport, she said, I was heading for the car park because you get a few minutes free. But I saw my son walking along the pavement, so I stopped and I wasn't going to ignore him and drive past. I literally stopped for four seconds. He jumped in with his bag and we were off. Um, but she uh, got this uh, this fine for stopping literally fifteen seconds. So now, do you reckon there's um, a camera? Because it isn't um, car park and uh, ticket attendants um, giving her that. So they must be a camera or yeah. something taking pictures. Now I'm um, sort of a bit concerned about this because the fact is, there we go. There's the uh, camera there. Um, what I think is because there's a restricted area now. When you come to an airport. And it says, do not park, no parking. And they are very wary still of security and safety. Yeah. Um, and most airports now, you cannot drop off right at the um, way you used to, at the no. front door and the front For gate. For security reasons. security yeah. reasons. Most have got bollards and concrete um, 
barriers and everything, haven't yeah. they? Most airports have the ANPR system yes. um, on the gates when you come in, the auto- automatic number plate recognition system. Yes. So, I mean, they do um, they, they know the car, the details and yes. stuff as soon as you come into yes. the airport or car parks yes. and stuff. I think they should be, the public should be more aware of this. Obviously, uh, some people aren't, and... Uh, Perhaps uh, more signage would be a good idea. Yeah, and, brighter uh, signs, or the signs that you can see that are big enough, I think, because um, some of them are small um, yes. and on posts, which you don't really see until you're literally underneath them. Um, but just bear that one in mind when you're going to pick someone up from an airport next. Um, don't stop for uh, many seconds, and if you do, make sure it's in a car park. Yes. Um, we've got another story um, on the similar subject. This one's um, on the Anglia um, website. This one's at Luton. And a woman received an £80 parking fine after stopping at Luton Airport roundabout for nine seconds. This Goodness is ridiculous. It started to, um, this um, has started to become uh, quite um, sort of uh, not just a one-off, but we're seeing yeah. quite a few of these now, aren't we? <laughs> Katie Lee paused while trying to find the airport short-term car park. Um, the APCOA, uh, Parking Authority, initially rejected Miss Lee's appeal on the grounds that she'd stopped in a, re- a restricted zone. But after a call from uh, our local uh, TV station here, ITV Anglia, they cancelled the fine, accepting that she was just trying to get uh, her bearings and find the car park. Uh, so she uh, managed to escape an £80 fine there for, uh, well, for not even parking, for, yes. <laughs> for being lost. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> I think uh, the power of media does sometimes help, doesn't it? Yeah, I think when you, uh, when you get a media, a big company involved, um, you tend to see these... Um, People sort of uh, wake up and uh, forget things, I think. Yes, yeah. yeah. So next piece of news then, Travel Trends website. Um, this one is uh, regarding British Airways. And uh, the headline is, and then there was one. Uh, this is about British Airways. In a few weeks' time, will be the only European carrier flying to Australia. Uh, a piece of news worth reflecting on is from May 2014, British Airways will be the only European carrier operating services to Australia. This follows Virgin Atlantic's withdrawal of its Hong Kong to Sydney flights. Um, Tourism Australia says that less than 15 years ago, eight European airlines flew to and from Australia. Now they generally code share with Asian carriers. Meanwhile, Middle Eastern carriers are adding seat capacity, upgrading their aircraft and adding new Australian routes, contributing to an increase uh, in total capacity on the UK-Australia route. For example, Emirates grew its capacity by 16% in the first half of 2013-14, with Australia and the UK the top two contributors to its growth. So did you did you know that one, Simon? Uh, no, Was that news, news is, to you? Uh, yes, it is. It's quite an uh, interesting uh, story, Carlos. Um, the fact is, I've flown on KLM uh, from Norwich uh, via uh, Schiphol before, and um, I'm now looking, because uh, that was to um, Australia, and they've uh, actually pulled the plug on their uh, aircraft as well. So they're not actually... Uh, that, no, they used to fly, so it's... It's, it's quite scary, but I think it's being taken over by like uh, the mainly the Asian carriers. So um, if British Airways are the only ones, let's hope uh, that they can keep it going still, because otherwise you'll have to get a Middle Eastern carrier that comes into uh, the UK to uh, get a code share on that to get out to Australia. But sometimes these Middle Eastern carriers do provide a slightly um, 
exquisite service yes, to, um, to yes, other airlines. Yes, but, um, I know that. I've from, actually never flown on BA, so I can't pass judgment on BA. Yes, but, um, but I must admit, um, I haven't flown BA for many years now, but um, the other airlines that I have flown from Heathrow um, out uh, to Singapore and Australia um, are far better. And uh, obviously Singapore Airlines is my favourite airline, and um, I know that the food, uh, even in economy class, is uh, second to none, and they're one of the best airlines in the world, if not the best. So for any of our listeners listening at the moment, uh, if you've travelled on BA, which I'm sure that we have a lot of UK listeners, if you've travelled on BA, give us a uh, drop us a line, drop us an email uh, via the website, and uh, tell us what your experience of BA service is like. Uh, me and Simon want to know. Yes. Because I've never, like I said, I've never flown BA. Simon's flown BA, but not for quite a while. Yes. Now, the last time I did fly uh, was on a uh, a transit flight, um, which was a very uh, short 40, I think it was about 40, 45 minute flight. And we, uh, uh, me and my wife uh, flew on the uh, Boeing 747-400 from London Heathrow to Riyadh in Fairford. Um, as a transit trip to the air show there, and then oh, the you follow- thing, you. yes, and then the <laughs> following year uh, we done the triple uh, seven, uh, uh, Boeing triple seven uh, from Heathrow to uh, Riyadh, and that Blimey, was, did, did it even take off? <laughs> it's, it's not were, that far, no. Uh, but we had a little <laughs> jolly around uh, the UK, and we just got above the uh, cloud line for a few uh, few minutes, and then um, before that, um, I've unfortunately haven't done that. They used to do um, the Concorde. Flights supersonic and subsonic uh, from Heathrow uh, to Riyadh as well. Now that would have been something else uh, to do that, um, but unfortunately, um, unfortunately, that didn't. Uh, uh, I didn't get time to do that, and the aircraft is no longer flying. But no. uh, my mother has actually flown. Uh, uh, we treated her a few years back uh, for her, one of her birthday celebrations. Me and my brother to a flight on Concorde on the Bay of Biscay, which was. Wow. About one hour mm-hmm. forty five minutes, supersonic, and it took off from Heathrow, and it landed at um, Luton Airport, and uh, it was a spectacular day for us all. Um, so uh, perhaps get my mum uh, to have a little talk about that one day. I've so. got two little pieces of memorabilia at home, which uh, my mother and father in law gave me um, <coughs> from Concord. Yes, I've got uh, an, an original uh, untouched Concord diary. Yes. And uh, a, a biro, a big biro pen, yes. Concorde one, which yes. they gave on the flights. No, uh, my mum, she got a certificate. This was in 1994, she flew on that. And uh, that was a certificate of supersonic on uh, Concorde. And she also got her salt and pepper pots. Um, mm. And one or two other little um, bits of memorabilia. Oh, yeah, she got a model of the aircraft. And uh, so, yeah. The flight was good, champagne, and also great food on there. So And the leather wow. seating. And you know when you go supersonic because it just kicks in and you're away. <laughs> yes. Oh, we're not going to experience that for a while now, Simon. No, no. It's such a shame. Yeah. Next piece of news from the Buying Business Travel site. This one's about EasyJet. And they're launching five new services from London Gatwick Airport. The airline will operate flights to Brussels, Paris, Jersey, Newcastle and Strasbourg for the first time from uh, the end of March this year. The nose frill carrier, uh, no frills carrier announced in November last year it would serve Brussels, Strasbourg, using slots purchased from Flybe. EasyJet has also doubled its frequency on services between Gatwick and Inverness with the launch of the airline's first evening flight between the two destinations. EasyJet expects the new routes to boost its passenger numbers from Gatwick by 5% uh, and continue its ongoing commitment to providing key business links throughout Europe. 
The airline's commercial manager, Hugh Atkins, said that by adding European cities like Brussels, Paris and Strasbourg, EasyJet can ensure business travellers using Gatwick have convenient and affordable links to key cities. Uh, This summer, Gatwick will serve 45 of the top 50 European business routes, he added. So that's good for EasyJet then, if you want to fly to those destinations. Yes, here we go again on the uh, um, expanding of the flights, more aircraft. uh, um. That's good good news for uh, Airbus, isn't it? Yes, uh, yes. uh, It seems as though they're uh, doing really well at the moment with their aircraft. Um, I think they've ironed out most of the problems on the uh, A380, haven't they? Um, that they've had when they first started. So um, EasyJet, they don't have a three eighty. No, them. I know they don't. But they, um, but Airbus. Um, oh, Airbus, s- yeah, seem to be doing very well. Yeah, they're um, they're doing the actual sale figures for for month on month. Seem to be that uh, Airbus tend to um, be um, building and um, handing over more aircraft than Boeing. At the yes, that, yes, that was where I was sort of uh, coming from about this because um, I know uh, EasyJet. Just mainly use Airbus now. Yeah, they are all Airbus three three nineteen three twenty. They used to have uh, seven uh, Boeing seven three sevens. I think they're the five hundreds and mm. uh, one or two of the other um, specs. But um, yes, yes, we we're uh, just talking about that actually, uh, Simon EasyJet. Um, we're looking to fly again. Hopefully, fingers crossed in uh, June uh, back to Malta. Yes. And I was looking looking uh, last night at flight prices between. Um, uh, here and Malta and back return flights with EasyJet and Ryanair, and uh, EasyJet are actually coming out cheaper than uh, Ryanair at the moment, which yes. is good. Yes. And uh, the only trouble is, I've got to go to Gatwick and not Stansted if I want to yes. try, if I want to fly with EasyJet. No, worth looking into. Um, possibly, maybe having a look if you didn't want to go to Gatwick. South End Airport is mm. um, now starting, um, and they are expanding because they're owned by the Stobart Group. Yeah. And um, it's worth having a look. Uh, because they're now introducing more and more flights from there, so it may be worth having a look, because that airport is really booming now, and mm. um, if you didn't want to go to Gatwick, um, you could always sort of... South End, yeah. South End, because it's not that far away. It's near enough on the same route as um, Stansted. Mm. If you drive to Stansted and it, you go past Stansted and keep on the A120, you will come to um, uh, South End Airport. So I'll have to look into that yes. one, definitely. Next piece of news then is Travel Weekly website. This one is uh, regarding Qatar, and uh, they're going to use the Dreamliner um, on their Edinburgh to Doha route. Um, Qatar Airways is to operate its first scheduled service from Edinburgh using the next generation Boeing 787 Dreamliner. The Doha route from the Scottish capital is to be launched on May the 28th. Um, What's the date today, Simon? Um, 29th of March. That was yesterday then. Um, they're going to uh, start that uh, yesterday with five flights a week. Uh, the Dreamliner is uh, going to offer two, a two-class configuration with 22 seats in business class and 232 seats in economy. Oh, May the 28th. Yes, uh, you just pointed that out. You just pointed that out to me there. I've <laughs> yes. got that wrong. I can't read. Look, I need glasses. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be launched on May the 28th. Yeah, yes. which is uh, just about two months' time. Yes. So. <laughs> I've been drinking too much coffee today, I think. Um, the service will be the first link from Edinburgh to the Gulf region, offering connections to Qatar Airways' 136 destinations worldwide. Journey times to Melbourne will be reduced from around 26 hours with two transfers down uh, to 20 hours with one international transfer at Doha's soon-to-be-opened Hamad International Airport. 
Qatar Airways Chief Executive Akbar Al-Baker said that the start of services from Edinburgh to Doha not only offered travellers from the Scottish capital access to the Middle East under in under seven hours, but also offer a quicker total journey time to other popular destinations in Asia, India and Australia. They're delighted to confirm that the Boeing 787 will operate on this important new route and are, not, um, and are sure that not only will this benefit uh, the local market in Scotland, but also attract a significant amount of business and trade links for those wishing to travel uh, to Edinburgh from all corners of the world. Yes. Now, is this... Um, uh, I don't know whether any of our listeners can help us with this. Um, is this the first uh, Dreamliner um, uh, airline to be flying into Scotland? Because um, I don't know whether Thomas Cook uh, actually fly up there. So this may be... Yeah, I'm not sure whether Thompson do fly into there with their Dreamliner. Um, yes. have to look that one up. Yes, but, but um, um, any uh, plane spotters in the sort of uh, Scotland area, if you are interested in uh, having a look at the new Dreamliner, it will, as we said, from the 28th of May, it will be flying uh, into uh, Edinburgh. Five flights a week. So that's good. That's pretty good. I mm. would imagine that will be, is that a Monday to Friday? Does it say there? No, um, it doesn't say. Um, but um, five times, that's pretty uh, That's pretty good. And uh, I uh, know from previous times, um, being up at Edinburgh Airport, it's a, a lovely area to um, watch aircraft uh, taking off and landing. So if you are interested, do go and take a look at the Qatar Airways. Yes, plane spotters, go and check those out. Yes. And following on from that story about plane spotters there, uh, the Argus uh, website, this one's about Gatwick plane spotters um, saying that they're not terrorists. Plane spotters have taken to social media to tell Sussex police that they are not terrorists. The force has asked aviation lovers to get on board and help officers spot real potential terrorists. But they've also been uh, moving uh, plane spotters away, uh, actual plane spotters away, from the airport and various sites. So they've produced a card, uh, the police have, that plane spotters can apply for and they can show the police to prove that they are at the airport with um, doing nothing more than uh, plane spotting. And Sussex police uh, said that they actually value the jet enthusiasts because they are part of the eyes and ears uh, of the police and airport community. Writing on Twitter, two plane spotters uh, shared their experiences of being moved on by Sussex, uh, Sussex police at Gatwick. One man said, I keep going to the end of runway 8 and anti-terror police keep moving me on. A second fan added that uh, it happened to him on a Saturday, um, but he's ordered one of these cards from Sussex police that say that he's an aviation spotter, so they don't move him on. Chief Inspector Andy Kunder told the uh, Argus uh, news site that Sussex Police works on closely with aviation enthusiasts at Gatwick as their presence around the perimeter of the airport provides them with valuable additional eyes and ears uh, in their security operations at the airport. People watching aircraft are discouraged from using certain areas of the airport um, and they won't tolerate any attempts to improve views such as by placing ladders close to the perimeter of fences or similar activities. Uh, In conjunction with... uh, the Gatwick Aviation Society and the original Gatwick Spotters News Group on Google, uh, we have set up an Aviation Enthusiast Photo ID card scheme, similar to those at other airports, to promote closer working relationships with the enthusiasts. It doesn't give the, uh, the enthusiasts any additional rights over other members of the public, but shows the police that uh, and security staff holders um, their willingness to assist in looking out for criminal or terrorist behaviour. 
Mm. Now, for me, Simon, I used to go to Gatwick quite regularly as a ch- as a child, teenager, yes. um, spot and playing spot. And, but I used to use the, uh, which is not there anymore, the uh, viewing gallery at Gatwick, yes. which used to be really, really good. Yes, oh, and I know Heathrow has got a viewing gallery as well. Um, and most airports do have these. But if you're sort of on the perimeter fence, um, I don't know whether I agree with ladders, do you? No, um, no, because, definitely not ladders. Um, I understand where the police are coming from, but I also understand where the plane spotters are com- coming from because we're both plane spotters yeah. and uh, we do go a lot of air shows. So there's two sides to this story. And um, these uh, ID cards, if they are for the not just for that area and for the whole UK, that be maybe worth something looking into to, for us to get possibly get. Mm. Because um, I've never been sort of stopped at any uh, airport as of yet, touch wood. But um, it's handy to have that. And if you are going to be in the sort of area um, doing some plane spotting, no matter what airport you're at, so that it is a good thing in a way uh, for uh, plane spots to have. Um, but we are the eyes and ears, and if there are any problems, um, we just uh, dial 999 or any security uh, sort of breaches or anything yeah. is worth uh, doing that. So please, uh, if you do see anything suspicious at any airport in the UK, no matter how big or small the airport is, just a landing strip, please uh, contact the police immediately. Definitely. So next piece of news from Flight Global, uh, the aviation website. This one uh, is regarding uh, Asiana's first A380 emerging from Hamburg's paint shop. Asiana (laughs) Airlines' uh, first A380 aircraft has emerged from the paint shop in Hamburg, Germany. The aircraft will now have its cabin completed and undergo ground and flight tests in Hamburg, says Airbus. This round of tests will focus on cabin systems such as air conditioning, lighting, galleys, lavatories and the in-flight entertainment system. The aircraft will subsequently return to Toulouse where it will be prepared for delivery in the second quarter of 2014. Asiana has firm orders for six A380 aircraft. It will initially use the type on regional routes before commencing long-haul services to the USA. And we're just looking at the pictures on the on the flight global site here. Now, what do you think of this paint scheme? Um, the tail's looking good, but mm. I'm just a bit puzzled by the rest of the aircraft. <laughs> it's got a little uh, tiny um, sort of like uh, triangle or arrow after Asiana Airlines, um, mm. but I know that's most probably that is their logo. That is their livery, yeah. Um, but I think I would have had a few more colours uh, put in that, but that may have been done to save and cut on costs. Costs, yeah. I mean, the tail looks quite quite stunning, actually, yes, with, the, um, with the reds and the sort of yes. the yellow and the blue. Yes. Um, yeah. But it's uh, very plain, isn't it, apart from the tail? Very plain. <laughs> was, that a, was that a pun, Simon? <laughs> yes, the A380 is a, is a very plain plane. <laughs> and uh, the fact... The fact is, they're using it on um, regional routes to start with. Yeah. That's a bit strange, isn't it? <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> flying from, um, I don't know, flying from uh, Stansted to Gatwick <laughs> on a 380. <laughs> yes. It wouldn't have a chance to spool the engines up, I think, before no. we'd have to land. No. Um, next one, then, from Flight Global again. This one is uh, Japan Transocean Air to order 12 737 800s. Uh, Japan Airlines Group's subsidiary... <laughs> Japan Transocean Air will order 12 Boeing 737-800s. The new aircraft will replace its fleet of 13 737-400s. Flight Global's Ascend on their online fleet's database shows that they have an average age of 17 years, the 400 series. Deliveries will commence from 2016 and the deal is valued at $1.1 billion uh, based on list price. 
The new 737s will be powered by CFM International uh, CFM 56-7 engines. And Boeing adds that part of the agreement uh, JTA will have the ability to switch the order uh, to the 737 MAX series. Uh, JTA is based in Naha in Okinawa and operates flights within Japan. So good news for uh, Boeing then. Yes, yes. A that, very popular aircraft, yes, 800 series. Yes, very it is. I wasn't going to say that. Um, I think it's must of all the 737 configurations and uh, ones, I think that the 800 must be the the most popular um, uh, Boeing 737 in the complete Span of See, yeah, I think they've done really well with that, and yes. I think it's it, I think it's purely because it's just a great balance, the it size is. of aircraft, yes. the amount of people it carries, yes. you know, up to yeah. 189 passengers. Yes. Um, it's a great sort of uh, it's a sort of a gap between um, sort of a smaller and a larger sort of seven, you know, triple seven, yes. seven six seven. Yes, and that just shows you um, that the faith that you have in uh, the 737 going from a 400 uh, up to an 800, so mm. they must. Must sort Brand of, new uh, ones as well. Yes, they must uh, enjoy uh, the aircraft. So next piece of news. Um, this one is the last piece of news that I've got for today um, from Flight Global again. This is one that is regarding ANA, Al Nippon Airways, and they're ordering uh, 70 777s, uh, 787s and A320neos. The board of Al Nippon Airways has approved a 16.6 billion fleet renewal program that will see it order a total of 70 new Boeing 777s, 787s and Airbus A320neos. The Star Alliance carrier will order 6 Boeing 777-300ERs, 20 Boeing 777-9Xs with the latter to replace the 19 existing 777-300ERs in its fleet. It will also order 14 additional 787-900s, taking its uh, 787 fleet to 80 aircraft. ANA will also order 7 Airbus A320neo aircraft and 23 A321neos to replace its existing fleet of 737-500s and baseline A320s. The neos will be powered by Pratt & Whitney's PW1100G-GM geared turbofan engines. And the aircraft they've selected will enable the airline to modernise and expand its fleet further as they seek to become one of the world's leading airline groups, says ANA President and Chief Executive Shinokuro Ito. These new aircraft will give us maximum capacity, flexibility and improve fuel efficiency and will allow us to meet the growth in demand both internationally and on our domestic Japanese market. The aircraft will be delivered between 2016 and 2027 fiscal years. Flight Global's Ascend Online Fleets database shows that ANA has a fleet of 182 aircraft and orders for a further 64. Um, good news for Boeing and Airbus. Yes, and definitely yeah, for Boeing. Yes, uh, yeah, that, um, we, we said a little while ago that um, they're mainly uh, people just uh, buying uh, Sort of Airbus, but looking at this order, this is a big order for Boeing. Although there's just a few uh, A320s in this uh, order, there's a there's a that's a substantial order, isn't it? Yeah, that is um, good. That is good news. So um, that must be um, uh, good for uh, Boeing and uh, obviously Airbus as well. But looking at all the the order, and I'd imagine they'll probably sell the oldest triple seven three hundred ERs. Yes. Yes. I mean, they'll probably uh, go they'll to go to other airlines. Secondary airlines. Yeah, they'll be like snapped that, up yes, from another. Yes. Um, because INA are quite a quite a good airline, you know, yes. quite a, um, a professional airline. Yes, and I know they uh, they do have the Dreamliner as well. So yeah, so good news. So that's all uh, from uh, the news then for this week. 
And uh, we'll be back shortly. Shortly, yes, we're going to come back to you uh, just after this. Don't forget, you too can contact the show and leave your messages for Simon and Carlos. Contact them via their website at www.plaintalkinguk.com or email them at plaintalkinguk at hotmail.com. Send them your messages. They really want to hear from you. Yep, do send us your messages, because we do want to hear from you, don't we, Simon? Yes, definitely, yep. Definitely. So uh, Simon's got uh, some military aviation news to bring to you now, and some uh, the usual um, air show news as well. And, uh, oh, blimey, so coffee went down then, if you heard that one. Uh, Simon's just produced some uh, a nice cup of coffee and uh, some uh, some posh chocolates, <laughs> which is which is always good. Yes, yes, so I thought I'd return the favour after all the times of, uh, you've uh, sort of... Uh, uh, looked after me uh, on my podcast at your um, headquarters. Yep. So with the aviation, military aviation news and some air show news, I'm going to hand you over to Simon. If you're ready, Simon. Yeah, let's go. Right, let's go. So with the military aviation news then, hand you over to Simon. Thanks very much, Carlos. Uh, the first bit of uh, news uh, is regarding uh, the Hercules C-130J 30 tactical transport aircraft. Uh, now, Lockheed Martin had delivered the first pair of these uh, tactical transport aircraft to South Korea's Air Force during a ceremony at its um, Retia uh, final assembly site in Georgia on the 27th of March. Uh, so that's uh, a little bit of uh, news here uh, for you. Uh, drawn from four aircraft orders signed in December 2000, the stretch fuselage aircraft will argue, argument an in-service fleet of C-130H transports. South Korea currently operates 12 of this type, according to the Flight Global's Ascend Online Advisory Service, which records having been built between 1984 and 1989. The delivery makes South Korea the 14th nation to have fielded the C-130J. The airframer says it's Contact with Seoul also features two support programs, including providing training for the aircrew and maintenance personnel. So this aircraft, uh, this Hercules, has been running many years, and the J-figuration is the last, um, or the current uh, configuration at the moment. So it is... Um, Just look at that paint scheme on that Hercules, Simon. Yeah, that's, that's uh, really quite a... Uh, a, a deep green, isn't it? Yes, it's now really that good... looks like something uh, like a child had, had paint on a model of this, mm. doesn't it? Yeah. And um, it looks, um, that's a lovely picture of it, um, banking uh, over to the starboard side there um, with the South Korea um, uh, flag um, to the rear of the fuselage here. And um, a lot of people just love this aircraft uh, for transporting um, many things and... Uh, and troops around the world, so it's uh, going to be going for many years to come, I think. Yeah, the, the J model, I think, will be sort of, um, there'll be more models following that. They're going to have to go through the entire alphabet, aren't they, with, uh, <laughs> yeah, do you with think new so? models? Yeah, yeah, what will be after J? K, <laughs> the K model, yeah. Yes, uh, yeah. So um, the next uh, bit of uh, news is Qatar Air Force selects the Airbus to supply A330 MRTTSs, um, these uh, refuelling uh, aircraft. They're the same as the RAF use, aren't they? Yes, the three, the yes which is replaced the v, um, which the they replaced with 
Uh, obviously, the VC-10 was out of service, and these aircraft have been uh, put in. Airbus, <coughs> excuse me, has announced a selection on the 27th of March with virtually no prior warning to its potential sale. Qatar Air Force has no in-flight refuelling uh, capability today, but is steadily building up its transport capacity. Lockheed Martin has delivered four C-130J-30s, and Boeing has delivered four C-17 to Doha in the last four years, joining the fleet of Airbus and Boeing commercial aircraft serving as VIP transports. The tank selection also comes amidst extended selection process for Qatar to buy up to 72 fighters to replace its ageing fleet of 12 Dassault Mirage 2000-5s. The bidding process has drawn interest from all over the Western fighter, uh, making exception of Saab, with Boeing F-15Es and F-A-18Es and F's (coughs) Super Hornet, Dassault Raphael, Euro Fighter Typhoon and the Lockheed Martin F-16 in contention. Ah. So there's a good selection of uh, military aircraft there. Yeah, so they're um, they're looking obviously to uh, to have a, uh, um, a, a in-flight refueling in for these new jets, fighter jets that they're going to be getting. Yes, yeah. Airbus has also delivered 17 A330 MRTTSs among five signed customers with a total of 34 orders. Singapore has also orders for six aircraft, with India also in the final stages of a negotiating order for six more, the company says. The converted A330-200 is capable of carrying 111 tonnes, 245,000 pounds of fuel. So wow. that's a lot of fuel. That is a lot of fuel. Yeah. And uh, obviously these aircraft can be used uh, for refuelling its uh, military uh, fighter aircraft. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, with the RAF have got theirs, haven't they? Um, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> which is which is good. And like we said, they are based on the A330-200 passenger aircraft. So they obviously had to they had to do a complete redesign when they uh, turned these these aircraft into tankers. Yes, yeah, but that's good for air, that good for Airbus. That is. Yes, yeah. Um, just moving on to the next one there and clicking it for you, Simon. Yes, yes. <laughs> You'll have to, to excuse me. We're uh, slow in, um, on the internet here. Uh, the next piece of uh, news is a paveway um, service entry imminent for RAF typhoons. The UK Air Force could be as little as four months. Four to five months from having its paveway uh, precision guided bombs fully qualified through the Eurofighter Typhoon flight envelope for using all six air six of the aircraft under wing carriage points. So um, that this picture here with, uh, with all those um, bombs there, they look quite. Um, it looks quite scary, doesn't it? With that all does, those yeah. Um, yeah. new uh, bombs, new work by Raytheon UK has lifted the remaining. Typhoon and Panavia Tornado GR4 flight envelope restrictions for a weapon that was originally developed for um, for less aerobatic BAE systems, Harrier GR7 and GR9, which are no longer in service, which is a shame. Now, <coughs> Raytheon Chief, uh, UK Chief Weapons Engineer TJ Marsden says necessary aircraft level qualification work with the Typhoon Prime Contractor BAE Systems and Miniature. <coughs> Ministry of Defence could be completed within months. <clears throat> you have to excuse me. Bit dry there, Simon. Get yes. some more coffee into you. <laughs> um, the RAF Tornado GR4 has also new restrictions on carriage of up to five pave way uh, missiles as used during the Libyan campaign in 2011. At that time, the strike aircraft faced a couple of restrictions on the carriage configuration, says Marsden, who adds that Saudi Arabia have also interested in adopting... 
pave um, tornadoes and typhoons and test fleets. Marston says that while the nimble typhoon tornado put far more stress on carried paveways than the weapon was designed to withstand, its requalification work showed the bomb to be suitable within modification for even the most extreme manoeuvres by the typhoon. The work was shows a paver can be carried out with, without restriction of the typhoon throughout its we- weapon's 20-year storage life. Now, I didn't uh, realise that weapons do have that sort of uh, storage, storage life. Yeah, I think they all have a sort of a sell-by date or use-by date. Yes, weapons, they, but... yes um, just to be on the safe side. So, yeah. Yeah, it says here that the, uh, the typhoon um, requalification is an important step in the RAF's ongoing push to have the aircraft ready to take on uh, the complete range of tornado air-to-ground mission capabilities uh, by the time that the venerable type is retired in 2019. Just looking at the picture there, Simon, that looks that does look really stunning, doesn't it, the, yes. uh, the, the typhoon with all those paveways? Yes. Now, I, I haven't actually seen many typhoons fully loaded up with these... Uh, um, missiles or bombs, but looking at this, you wouldn't want to mess with that, would you? No, you no just would, would not want to mess with that. <laughs> that um, is a pretty awesome aircraft. Yes, and yeah. it looks a bit more distinctive because uh, the fact that those um, special bombs there that we uh, mentioned, the are, paveways, yeah. yes, are actually um, coloured a different colour yellow, so that makes it a little bit more scary. That definitely does. You don't want to see one of those flying towards you on no, the, no, no, on the A twelve, no. <laughs> <laughs> Right, the next bit of news, we've talked about this um, when we, uh, I think I talked about it on a previous podcast, uh, had a problem with the um, new Airbus Voyager uh, tankers. Uh, Airbus expects the Royal Air Force tanker, the next two Airbus A330 Voyagers, um, to be delivered by mid-year. The Ministry of Defence has agreed the slight delay in its previous schedule. Six Voyagers are now being flown by the RAF. RAF's 10 and 101 squadrons at Bryce Norton in Oxfordshire, with another modified example being used by civilian crews to transport personnel to the to and from the Falkland Islands. So that's quite a uh, quite an achievement. That's mm. going to be uh, doing a long transit to the Falkland I- yeah. Islands. Uh, the voyage has been scheduled uh, to achieve full release to service status within delivery of the program's ninth aircraft in May. But Air Tanker says. RAF will now get its eighth example late late this month and later during the June. However, this will now arrive from Airbus's Defence and Space uh, Getaf modification site near Madrid. Spain has uh, Spain with its enhanced defence aid systems equipment already installed. This will remove the need for the aircraft to undergo a roughly 60-day modification after its delivery. With the RAF Lockheed TriStar tanker transports being flown into retirement on the 25th of March, the Voyagers are now providing a full range of services, says Wing Commander Jamie Osborne, Officer Commander 10th Squadron. This involves flying military personnel to and from Afghanistan and supporting the Eurofighter Typhoons, providing quick reaction alert cover for the UK and the Falkland Islands, pointing to the A330's extended range capability over the Tristar and the UK's previous retired Vickers VC-10, Osborne says the aircraft have got legs. It's a real step change for the RAF. Already capable of refueling the Typhoons and Panavia Typh- uh, Tornado GR4s, its underwing hose and drogue refueling pods, the Voyager is also poised to secure full clearance to refuel large aircraft like the Lockheed Martin C-130J. 
from its centre-line hose drum unit installed in part of the fleet air tank. Oh, that so, must be amazing yeah. to see see the air, see something as big as the A330 refueling a, a C130J. Yeah, yes. What an yeah. awesome sight that must yes. be. Have you ever seen um, uh, previous years uh, a VC10 refueling a VC10? No. No, I have seen that. Um, well, they, and also a TriStar uh, being refueled um, is... I have seen that as well, but I've seen that um, just on a test when they fly in a, um, a previous air show. So, but if you do uh, go on to uh, YouTube, you can uh, find a lot more information and watch a few videos on their refueling, which is uh, quite interesting to watch. I've got to say, even though I've seen these a lot, loads of times now on the internet, but the um, the A three thirty done in the grey RAF uh, colours that does look um, it does look the business does look the business. It does. Yeah, uh, as much as I do miss. Um, the TriStars being phased out. Um, the a, I think the A330 um, is starting to grow on me now yes, as a tanker yeah, transport. Yes, it is. And as I said on this uh, report, you know that it has got a longer range than the, the TriStar. Yes. No, I, I can't understand this because uh, the US they use the Boeing 707, and that's been running uh, as a refueler, the KC135. 135, yeah. And um, obviously the DC10, uh, which is the which is the KC10. And they're still going. They've been going. Uh, those aircraft are very old, and I'm s- a little bit shocked that the um, Air Force have got rid of the Trister and the VC-10 because although they're an old aircraft, the 707, I think, is a little bit mm. sort of uh, older. Doesn't look as nice as the Trister now. <laughs> no, but hopefully um, we may be going to see um, some ground runs on the Trister at Bruntingthorpe in the um, that in would the be summer. nice, Simon. That would be nice. I think we'll have yeah. to arrange that because um, I know uh, you'd like to go and see that, wouldn't you? I'll tell you what. I would sell my house to go and see a Tristar. <laughs> those of you who follow us on Facebook and that will know that uh, I have a, a, a well. Those of you who listen to the podcast will know I have a ridiculous love of the Tristar. Always have done. Always will do. And um, I literally would. Um, <clears throat> What should I say? Sell my wife? No. <laughs> no, better not sell her. You no, better not say no, that. can't say that. Don't tell anybody no. on podcast. <laughs> I, I would, uh, I'd give anything to see the TriStar just, uh, just again, because um, it's just a fantastic looking aircraft. Because you've got to admit, now there's no airlines, no new aircraft coming out that look like the TriStar or no. the DC-10. No, no. Um, but I always think the TriStar's... <clears throat> Tail engine that looks far neater, as I've yeah. said before many yeah. a times. And the DC-10. The, the, DC yeah. <clears throat> the DC-10 engine obviously just is, um, looks as though it's glued through the tail of the aircraft. <laughs> but the TriStar actually is just sitting on top of the uh, fuselage. Moulded It's moulded into the yeah. uh, tail, the S, isn't it? With the s duct. <clears throat> yes. I remember seeing a, 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 a... I've got a DVD <clears throat> at home. I must lend that to you, actually, Simon. I'm going to have to dig that one up. I've got a DVD at home um, with the TriStar. And they actually show uh, one of the guys on top of the fuselage walking down towards um, engine number two on the tail. He actually walks into the um, <coughs> actual entrance or the uh, opening of it, of yes. the uh, centre yes. of the tail engine. Yes. And he, quite, he sort of slides down the S-duct um, wow. inside. It's quite huge, it's huge, yes. to where the engine sits, because the engine obviously sits uh, sort of in the tail as such. The S-duct obviously supplies the, the air to that engine. But it's amazing to watch. It really is. And when you're standing on top of that fuselage of the TriStar, it's just, it's just huge. Yes, it really it is. is huge. Yes. But uh, so yeah, so that does. Uh, like I said, we, the A330 is obviously um, uh, a good replacement uh, for those aircraft, and uh, long may it uh, fly. Yes. And the next uh, piece of uh, news is uh, regarding, uh, as we've been talking about, the TriStar. 
Operation was the Royal Air Force Lockheed TriStar tanker transports came to an end on the 24th of March. One of these typed delivered fuel to the Eurofighter Typhoon and Panavia Tornado GR4 combat aircraft over the North Sea for the last time. So that was uh, during the week that this happened. Yeah. And uh, I've got a lot of pictures, uh, which I've... Um, you put them on Facebook, I think. Uh, There's well, a few I've on there. Put, I've there? put some on there, and I've got yeah. some more on my uh, phone and Facebook page, which I will put onto the podcast uh, Facebook page for you guys to have a look at. And it's um, it's quite a sad sight. The last two aircraft um, did fly in uh, just as it was getting dark um, into Brunsingthorpe. Um, one of the aircraft has actually had its engines removed already. Um, uh, accompanied by the other KC-1 standard aircraft carrying journalists, TriStar KC-1ZD-948 made its last operational flight from Bryce Norton, Norton in Oxfordshire 30 years after it was adapted wide-body airliner into service with the RAF's 216 Squadron. Since the introduction in 1984... The TriStar has been a mainstay, moving personnel around the world and proving air-to-air refuelling, providing air-to-air refuelling, says Wing Commander Pete Morgan, Officer Commander of 216 Squadron. Another of the type returned to Bryce Norton late on the 23rd of March after completing a trail, bringing its several typhoons back from the USA, he adds. <clears throat> TriStar's played a key role in sustaining the RAF's air bridge with Afghanistan at the end of the service, which had made... 1,642 flights into the country. Wow. That's quite a lot, isn't it? Mm. <clears throat> and transferred around a quarter of a million passengers. Cool. That is good. That is something else. Both into and out of the opera- uh, theatre of operations, says Mor- uh, Morgan. The RAF unit was f- formally disbanded on the 20th of March uh, 2014, and its final duties is expected to involve delivering the four remaining aircraft to RAF Bryce Norton to Bruntingthorpe. Uh, in Leicestershire on the 25th of March. Six L-1011 500s were acquired from British Airways and adapted as KC-1, uh, K-1 KC-1 tra- tanker transport by Marshall Aerospace. Now, they're based in Cambridge, Cambridge yeah, and uh, yeah. they do a lot of work on the Vulcan as well and other um, military and uh, civil aircraft. That's not far away from uh, Duxford. That's a lovely airport, um, and they sort of uh, do a lot of service in there. Uh, uh, there, so uh, yeah, <clears throat> two aircraft ZD nine four nine and ZD seven zero six have already been withdrawn from use, and are at Marshall's Cambridge Airport site for non flying in non flying condition. Another ZD nine five two was flown to Kemble in Gloucestershire in early February. Talks of a potential buyer for the last six operational aircraft have reached an advanced stage, but stalled over finance and export permissions. Two of the aircraft, two of these already at Bruntingthorpe, and any further discussions over the fleet must be between the US entrepreneur and the scrap merchant, directly, says Morgan. At the moment, they're all to be scrapped, he adds, which is a shame, isn't it? Yeah, there is. I'm nearly in tears now. (laughs) With the RAF also having retired its last Vickers VC-10 last September, the Airbus A380 Voyagers of the 10 and 101 squadrons are now performing the tanker's transport mission, so... So they were going to be sold, but now they're not. Back yes, to the but having said that, I don't think they'll all be scrapped. I think there'll be a few of those um, doing ground runs at Bruntingthorpe. And, um, I hope there is. I really, really hope that someone or in a museum somewhere, Duxford, if you're listening, um, you know, I hope that someone snaps up one, at least one of these TriStars yes. and has it on display. Because I think that would be a fantastic aircraft to yes. be on display. Not 
purely just because of my love of the aircraft, but there's not a huge amount of uh, civilian aircraft which make it this far in their lives um, from passenger to, to military use. You know, you've got the 707 um, and obviously the... Uh, the seven six seven seven six seven as as a as a as sort of a thing, but there's you know this is an aircraft that was built a lot you know quite a lot in the seventies and yes. uh, she's still flying you know today or still well just finished flying but you yes. know it's lasted this this long. Yes, now I um, did actually speak to one or two of my uh, sort of friends on Facebook um, who are plane spotters, RAF Bryce Norton and one or two other people. Trying to find out any information whether the Queen's flight, uh, which is in uh, the second week weekend in June, um, whether the uh, aircraft fly over Buckingham Palace for the Queen's birthday, whether this they have kept one aside to keep flying condition uh, for that. And I think the feedback that I'm getting at the moment is that uh, they've all been uh, grounded as of this week, so mm. that may not happen. But hopefully we, on the Queen's flight we'll be talking about um, in future podcasts, um, I'll give you a complete listing of the aircraft that will be flying uh, in that. So mm, that's good. Yep. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm actually in the process of getting a photo done, which I am. I got the TriStar. I'm going to have that framed. Yes. And put in uh, put on, put in the was that, house. Was that the uh, drawing uh, from one of your friends? No, that the the one I'm on about is the one that was taken at the Falling Out Parade at uh, Bryce Norton with the uh, TriStar behind and all the. Um, the, the guys in the uniforms yes. all in front. Yes. Excellent picture. <clears throat> yep. Now, this is um, a thing we touched on. I was uh, talking to you Quite earlier. A few about... podcasts ago, this one. Yes, a few yeah, and uh, talking a little earlier in the show, this show, um, podcast show. The UK Royal Air Force halted operations with its brand new Airbus A340, uh, A330 Voyager, excuse me, tanker transports for, for 12 days last month after pilots improperly stowed the camera. Uh, improperly stowed camera became jammed next to one of the side stick controls in the flight and caused a sudden loss of altitude, according to the new published report. The incident involving Voyager ZZ333 occurred on the 9th of February 2014 when the aircraft suddenly pitched down while it was in cruise at level flight at 330, 33,000 feet. The UK Military Aviation Authority says in an interim report within... 20 seconds, 27 seconds of the aircraft lost 4,440 feet in height before self-protection system initiated a recovery back towards a control flight. The maximum recorded state of decency was descent was approximately 15,000 feet a minute it had. So that's quite... That's quite a steep descent. That is, mm. that is. And, um, and having found out that it was... Um, Caused ca- by a camera. A camera <laughs> that either fell down the side of a joystick or yeah. something is a bit scary. Because well, I wouldn't have thought... A, somebody probably got a slap wrist for that. I yes, think. yes. Yeah, In uh, on March the 19th, the MMA highlights the catalogue of events leading to the incident which happened at Turkish airspace during a planned non-stop air transport flight between RAF Bryce Norton and the UK Camp Bastion. Afghanistan. The aircraft was carrying nine crew members and 189 passengers. So that was um, that must have been quite uh, hair racing for the uh, passengers, passengers yeah. even though they're uh, sort of military. With the aircraft's autopilot engaged, and it was while its co-pilot was away from the cockpit forward gallery galley, crew members reported feeling a sudden jolt before encountering a sensation of weightlessness as the aircraft rapidly entered a nose-down altitude. This resulted in negative g-forces were sufficient for almost all of the 
unrestrained passengers and crew to be thrown towards the ceiling, resulting in a number of minor injuries, the report says. The co-pilot stuck the cabin... Uh, the co-pilot struck the cabin roof but was able to re-enter the flight deck through the open door, it adds. The two crew members recovered control of, after the captain had attempted to disconnect the autopilot, first by pulling back the side stick controls and moving the thrust levelers to idle, and then by restoring them to take off and go around power as the twin jet returned to level altitude. The aircraft was then diverted into Inkerak Air Base in Turkey, Without further incident, the flight date record has shown no indication of any system failures which could have led to the aircraft to pitch down. The MAA says, moreover, the inquiry has found no evidence of unsold compar- compa- comparable incidents in any of the A330 variants. Instead, it is confident that human factors were to blame, pointing that its digital SLR camera obstruction was in front of the captain's left armrest behind the base of the captain's side stick at the time of the event. The camera body experienced a significant compression consistent with having been jammed between the armrest and the side stick unit, it adds. Analysis of the camera has confirmed that it was being used in the three minutes up leading to the event, while data recorders have noted the captain's seat being moved forward at the onset of the event. The MMA says continuing its service inquiry into the incident and a post-occurrence management of the event, but notes simulations have successfully replicated the same pitch-down effect after objects have become inadvertently lodged in the same space. Safety advice has been issued to the RAF and Airbus to highlight that this, this is a possibility. It says, with the Lockheed TriStar tank, tankers and transport due to be retired on the 31st of March, the RAF's fleet of Air tanker provided voyages is poised to assume the bulk of the UK's military pa- passenger transport tasks and all in-flight flight refueling duties for the service. So, so that one's been solved. Yes. yes. Um, that just says that, or it just shows you don't. If you're gonna if you're gonna fly a plane, don't lay your camera uh, anywhere, but uh, well, somewhere safe, With the away from control. Like, I would imagine that's like putting a camera under the sort of pedal of your car or near pedal <laughs> yeah. of your, and your footwell really isn't it yeah that is yeah sort of. um so it's uh, quite a concern and for it to do this um and i didn't realize that they actually the flight uh, data recorders actually record the movement of the um pilots seating yeah they probably heard the the noise i would imagine on yes. the cockpit voice recorder of the um the, the chair moving backwards i suppose but, uh at least no one hurt uh, well, no. a few minor injuries, but no one was seriously hurt in that. But yes. uh, still hair raising, though I'd imagine, yes. for sitting in the yes. back, and especially... then uh, feeling weightless. And so you think you're in space? Yeah, it'd be like one of those flights where they have the weightless. Uh, yes, things, they, well, yeah. they uh, they do actually dive the aircraft. Yeah. Um, very fast. Which zero g zero g flights they call. Yes, they? Yeah, yes. Definitely. Right, that military stuff um, you've got this week, isn't it? I've Simon? got a few other little bits. Um, Got the airshow calendar and the shorts. Arias Tano has uh, just come out of the paint shop in the last few days, and uh, he's resumed his um, uh, display practicing uh, ready for the 2014 season. I will put that up on the Facebook uh, page on our podcast site if I haven't already done it. It's quite a nice uh, livery this year, and um, the Tucano 
um, sort of liveries they have each year. They uh, do have some spectacular um, paint jobs on this. And this year we've got the uh, Lest We Forget design. And uh, on the front, uh, just under the cockpit um, uh, canopy where the thing is, he's got loads of big red poppies. And then under, towards the rear of the aircraft, it's got Lest We Forget. And it's quite spectacular. I don't exactly... Um, no, I can get a picture up here um, of that, um, but um, to give you a run through. But I'll perhaps uh, do that in another uh, podcast. But it's um, it's uh, looking uh, good. It's come out of the paint shop, and uh, that will be quite a stunning, stunning to uh, look at uh, once it's uh, actually um, uh, uh, completed. So um, yes. Are we going to see that one at the air show? Yes, this year, it's, uh, so on the uh, 2014 uh, air show circuit. Uh, so uh, it will be something spectacular. I always love this display. Um, uh, uh, Simon's frantically getting yeah. the uh, getting the display uh, up for there. On uh, here we yeah. go. Yes, um, let's try that again. I've put shorts display in. That's there. There we go. Uh, there we go. <laughs> Right. This is this is recording live. You see, yeah, yeah. we're recording live. So yes, everyone makes mistakes. Yes, yeah, so let's just have a look here there and uh, see what the uh, Takano was. Um, there we go. There's the 2014 livery. It's up. If you go to the RAF um, website and uh, try, type in uh, shorts Takano, you will actually uh, uh, see the aircraft um, and the pilots are on there. Um, oh yeah, we see. Yeah. So. This is uh, actually in the paint shop. If you, uh... you can follow, you can follow them on Twitter as well. If you go to <clears throat> Takano Display, um, go on Twitter Takano Display, and you'll see on their Twitter site they've got some quite good pictures there of um, of that Takano yeah. with the with the poppies. Yeah, it's quite a stunning sort of uh, tribute, paint, really. Paint, yeah, tribute and paint job, really. Yes, it is. Um, like I said, we've got the Lest We Forget, uh, which is to the um, rear of the aircraft. And Flight Lieutenant uh, Dave Kirby will be the 2014 um, display pilot um, on the air, air show circuit. And uh, this is going to be something truly um, memorable um, because I love the pictures I take of the Takano and I just love the... Uh, Love the noise of this aircraft when it's going along. It is it is great. But looking at the poppies, they start off fairly large at the front near the prop, and they and they gradually get smaller as you go towards the cockpit. Um, so, but it's um, that aircraft noise on that when it's even when it's flying or on the ground, um, which I see at Duxford and other air places, is is absolutely fabulous. So I do uh, love it so much, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, shorts to Carno. Uh, uh, back on the uh, sort of air show circuit again, and also we have the F thirty five, which is, I believe, of um, is coming to. Uh, I think that is coming to um, Farnborough, and also that is going to be coming to um, Riyadh as well. So that's the first. That's the first um, sort of one which will be ready for the RAF. Uh, to fly so hopefully it's going to have a good display for us and they're going to be practicing i do it although i um know it's going to be on the ground i do believe it's going to be uh, displaying as well so that will be something uh, spectacular to see the f-35 well uh, we're doing quite a few air shows this year so we should see it somewhere yes definitely. yes yeah. definitely yep 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 so um, air show news then simon what, yes uh, april we're, we're sort of april coming up yes uh, april very and- soon Yes, and um, in a few days' time, we'll uh, be in April, as we said, and then uh, we head into May, which is the major air, sh- air show start of the official uh, 
<coughs> excuse me, air show season. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, there's lots of good air shows. And I know Riat, um, if you go on the Riat and Farmer websites, the aircraft that have been confirmed now is starting to mount up. So we're getting quite a good selection uh May the, May the 24th and 25th is the D-Day anniversary one as well at Duxford, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. Now, I think that ties in with um, Bruntingthorpe, so we're going to have to put these into a hat or have a think about <laughs> what, what you'd like to do. So um, Plus, I, I've got quite a busy calendar in May with, yes, uh, with uh, my uh, business. D- DJing, my business work as well with weddings and stuff. Yes, but, yes. Um, so, but they're Saturday nights. These Most of these air shows are on a Sunday. So yes, handy. yeah, so... Um, and we're going to have to uh, sort of do a little bit more planning. Um, we've got the uh, air show up, up here uh, for Duxford. I'm just going to see if they've got any... Um, bear with us, folks. I'm just uh, sort of um, seeing uh, what aircraft... They normally have a flying scheduled... Uh, what aircraft are... Um, Doesn't look like they've got the flying schedule on no, yet, Simon. No, no, because... No, they do. But that is for that's not for a month or two yet, is it? <coughs> no, that's correct. So uh, yeah, but as I was saying, uh, Riyadh and Fairford uh, have got a lot of aircraft uh, confirmed, and uh, the F thirty five is confirmed uh, to be at both those air shows, and the uh, Royal Netherlands and uh, Belgian Air Force F um, fifteen and F sixteen display flights they're going to be there as well. So, and then there's one or two others, and I believe um, that the Red Arrows may be f- flying in formation. With the Hawker Hunter, the Fallen Nat, and possibly the Jet Provost, but don't quote me on that, but that is a possibility um, that I have read and uh, heard uh, on the grapevine, so we'll just have to keep you uh, posted on that. But there has been an air show cancelled this year, hasn't there, Simon? Yes, uh, yes, the uh, Manston uh, Kent Air Show, uh, which is at Kent uh, Airport, has been cancelled because I believe that they are trying to close this um, airport, which is yeah. such, such a shame, Um um, but if you go onto the uh, air shows website, it will tell you uh, about it. it's just been crossed out. So, um, but as I said on this uh, website, we've got all the postcodes for every single air show. It's a good flight. The flight line website is a good website. Yes, if you, um, uh, yeah. you want to know where you're going. Yes, and it will give you um, it gives you the link to uh, each of the air show areas and websites, and obviously the postcode if you're travelling to the air show by car. And another good, another good one as well, which I've been to in the in the past on the twelfth and thirteenth of uh, July, is the Flying Legends Air Show at Duxford, Cambridgeshire. Yes, that's, that's a good air show as well. Yes, um, yes, I, I go to that uh, most times. Um, that is a start. Uh, if you like your uh, your sort of Second World War aircraft, yes, and, and they always uh, have a special theme depending on what um, year it is. And, uh, so it's um, and a lot of people do dress up, uh, people from the airport in the old uh, military sort of clothes and stuff. So. It is um, it's getting exciting now, and I just can't wait to see my uh, first air show of uh, 2014. <laughs> and I know the Red Arrows are uh, uh, heading out um, to practice at Cyprus very soon and um, get ready and get their um, sign-off for the 2014 season, which is their 50th birthday. So it's it just it's so much to look forward to, so many aircraft that we're going to see, and it's just fabulous and uh as we keep saying you're going to be taking me to farmer for the first time which i've never been before so yeah, yeah. i think this is something a little bit different for me um because we have commercial aircraft actually uh on the ground which mm. are for sale 
uh, by a lot of sort of. Um, oh, there's a lot of business uh, uh, business jets you can fly, yes. you can buy. And um, you think of buying one, Simon? Um, or you? Um, well, save up. Should we save up? We're going to buy a Cessna, <laughs> or should we have a Beechcraft? Oh, be a King Air. <laughs> Let's have one of those. Yeah, the, the Farnborough Air Show. They're going to have a four and a half hour flying display. Um, bumper to bumper flight aircraft. They should display. say wing to wing, really, wing rather to wing, than yeah, bumper, rather than bumper to bumper. <laughs> yes, but they're going to have that uh, four and a half hour display, which is awesome. No. If you can fill me in on this, Carlos, what is the sort of uh, a normal sort of day flying for Farnborough? Because it is different to the uh, normal air show. Yeah, not only do they have the the obviously big display teams um, like the obviously the, the Red Arrow is your favourite and um, and the Italian sort of display teams and stuff, but they do have you know they do have commercial jets that are there. Um, obviously, hopefully, fingers crossed. This year, we're going to get the Qatar's A three eighty there. Um, I don't know whether that's going to be in the air, but um, when I was there in 2012, you do get the the bigger, you know, the Airbus A380, the test one that flew, that gave a great show um, on the Sunday. Yes, um, fly past quite low speed, fly past, but you get a, quite a, a mixture of displays. Uh, I mean, they had the Apache um, display team there. Was that uh, flying with flying. the F16? Uh, they had the F16. Did they fly together because the um um, Netherlands Air Force with their orange F fifteen or F sixteen, quote me on that, and the Apache, they fly together in a formation. That's quite spectacular. Off the top of my head, I can't remember that. I'm just trying to think back now. It's two years ago, blimey. Yeah. Um, all the aircraft, but there is a good mixture of you know not just display teams, but of uh, other aircraft that, that that fly. You know that do little uh, little mini sort of shows. Yeah, now I'm going to put you on the spot here. Oh, thanks. <laughs> do. I want to know a bit more about this because I'm quite excited about this. The Farnborough Air Show, when the display, when there is a, the air show is taking place, is it split into two sections? Or like you've got your commercial aircraft first doing the display, and then the air show, the normal air show, run of the mill aircraft second, or is it just a mix, all mixed up in one? It's sort of- it's kind of mixed <coughs> up really. They're, I mean, they do they obviously produce a display format that they um, have on the day, yes. but um, it's kind of mixed up. You do get a kind of mixed day of uh, displays and uh, commercial aircraft and. And bits and pieces all up in the air, and like I said, like the website says, it is it is wing to wing or bumper to bumper. Yes. An air show display is always constantly ongoing. Yes. Um, for those of you uh, uh, aviation sort of geeks like me and Simon who do go to uh, to Farnborough or the other air shows this year, um, and do have a scanner. Um, if you take your scanner with you, you can obviously tune into the um, air show frequency and listen. Which is always good because then you can hear in advance what's going to be happening or yes. in the air before um, before they announce it. Yes, because I I have um, noticed this near enough every year that um, sometimes information isn't given out, and then until you hear it on the scanner, mm. um, like you'll have a formation which will be based. If say like the Battle of Britain Memorial flight are in the same area at the same time as the Red Arrows or. Or something. Sometimes you do get linked up, like the Airbus and the Red Arrows linked up. Now I didn't know that until near enough I got mm. there that that was happening. That you know, is I good saw the Red Arrows take off, and then I saw an A380, and then I heard that they're flying in formation together. Now that's just a surprise in itself. So it is if you are an aviation geek like us and want to treat yourself, yes, um, I sure recommend a good quality scanner 
I mean, you, you can get, there's some really, there are some good budget ones on offer yes, if you look on, uh, on the sites, Amazon pounds. stuff. You can get you can get a fairly good scanner for, well, you, you can get a good scanner or fairly good scanner for sort of under 60 quid, yes. uh, which is quite cheap uh, to enable you to listen yes. listen to the air show stuff. Um, they generally don't tend to publicize the air show frequency. I mean, some air shows do, some air shows don't, but uh, you can always find out near enough from, from someone in the yes. know and what the frequency Google is. Yes, and if you Google it, um, air show frequency, uh, you can actually get that. And there is also a book, which I have uh, normally buy every year from the air shows. If you go to the, um, a lot of the bookstores at the air shows and look for Airways, and that will be Airways 2014, um, the book is normally about ten ninety five now, if I'm correct, and it'll have all the um, frequencies all over the UK, and also the frequencies for all the display aircraft uh, that are displaying throughout 2014. So you'll have the Red Arrows, the Blue Eagles, um, Black Cats, uh, Wing Walkers, uh, Typhoon display, um, and a- any other. Um, also the Patrol de France, Patrol de Swiss, and um, Normally, every single sort of military display team within Europe as well, and uh, that is worth uh, carrying that about. But if you do Google it, you can get the airshow frequencies. Ah, right. So we'll bring that airshow news to a close, and yes, Simon. Yes. And yes. Uh, we're going to come back. Uh, well, we're going to come back after this. sound right so we're going to do our in focus aircraft of the week then and uh, as chosen by uh, by our listeners and stuff via facebook and email and uh, i better play the jingle first really and that means i've got a jingle yeah we all lo- we love jingles i yeah. love your jingles here we go and now it's time for our in focus aircraft of the week Yes, our in-focus aircraft of the week then, as chosen by our listeners, and we've had a, quite a few votes for different aircraft. We put them up on Facebook, and uh, for those of you who are listening and are not uh, not liking us on Facebook, please do come and like us on Facebook. Look for us on Facebook, Plain Talking UK. And each week we put our in-focus list of aircraft up. We do a military sort of um, part one week, and then commercial aviation, civil aviation the next week. Um, so this week was a military at Simon's uh, uh, turn this week, and the chosen aircraft, um, is this one you like, Simon? Yes, it is, um, and I've got fond memories of uh, seeing this at many of my uh, air shows in my uh, school days and uh, younger days. Um, remember seeing this flying many a times at RAF Mildenhall Air Fate, if you can remember that from years <laughs> gone yeah, that, by. I can remember that, yeah. So our in-focus <laughs> aircraft of the week is the English Electric Lightning. So the English Electric Lightning was a supersonic jet fighter aircraft of the Cold War era. It was designed and manufactured by English Electric, who were subsequently integrated into the Unfine British Aircraft Corporation, or BAC, after which point the aircraft was marketed as the BAC Lightning. The Lightning was uh, the only all-British Mark II fighter aircraft and was the first aircraft in the world capable of supercruise. 
The Lightning was renowned for its capabilities as an interceptor. Pilots commonly described it as being saddled to a skyrocket, uh, as it was powered by the Rolls-Royce Avon turbojet engine. Each aircraft had two Avon engines uh, in an unusual stacked arrangement in the main fuselage, with the cockpit perched on top. The Lightning was developed to counter increasingly capable bomber aircraft and thus had remarkable climb, altitude and speed flight performance in order to perform rapid interception. The type was subsequently developed for greater range and speed and as well as to uh, perform reconnaissance and ground attack missions. The Lightning was predominantly used by the Royal Air Force and the Royal Saudi Air Force as well. It was operated by, as uh, the RAF's primary interceptor for more than two decades, during which the type was never required to shoot down a hostile aircraft. Following its retirement in the late 1980s, many of the remaining aircraft became museum exhibits. Until 2010, three examples were kept flying at Thunder City in Cape Town, South Africa, and in September 2008, the Institution of Mechanical Engineers confer, or conferred on the Lightning its uh, Engineering Heritage Award at a ceremony at BAE Systems site at Wharton Aerodrome. So the, uh, in the Lightning, the English Electric Lightning, uh, obviously was manufactured by, in the UK by BAC, the British Aircraft Corporation, first flew on the 4th of August 1954, uh, was introduced into service in 1959 and retired, as we said, uh, from the RAF in 1988. Its primary users were the Royal Air Force, Q80 Air Force and the Royal Saudi Air Force, and in total 337, <coughs> including the prototypes, were built. Uh, it had a crew of one. Uh, it was 55.25 feet long, uh, 34.84 feet wide, and stood 19.59 feet uh, from the ground. Its weight empty was 28,036 pounds, and its maximum takeoff weight was 41,991 pounds. As we said, powered by two Rolls-Royce Avon 301 engines, generating 16,360 pounds of thrust each uh, with the afterburn. It reached a maximum speed of 1,312 miles per hour, or 2,112 kilometers an hour, or 1,140 knots. Had a maximum range of 802 miles, or 1,290 kilometers, and a service ceiling of 55,020 feet, or 10.4 miles. Its rate of climb was 50,000 feet per minute, um, and... It had an armament suite of uh, two 30mm Aden cannons in the nose with an optional two de Havilland Firestreak infrared air-to-air missiles or two Hawker Siddeley Redtop infrared air-to-air missiles. Also optional were eight Matra rocket pods, 18 SNEB 68mm rockets or four Matra JL-100 rocket pods holding 19 SNEB 68mm rockets. It had overwing fuel tanks, and also you could carry up to £6,000 of external ordnance. There are a lot of variants of the uh, English Electric Lightning, ranging from uh, the original Mark I uh, right through to the Mark VI, 
which had improved range and revised wings and increased fuel capacity and also had um, a bit more armament as well with a 30mm cannon and uh, just reading through the uh, operators as we said uh, there wasn't many operators of the aircraft um, but uh, there we go, Simon. The English Electric Lightning. Yes, and uh, it used to be based at RAF Coldershall um, for quite a long time until it was replaced with um, the Jaguar um, and used to see them flying around here quite a lot and also at RAF Wadisham uh, in Suffolk as well. Now, this aircraft, um, they said they had three flying in uh, South Africa, but I know, unfortunately, one of those aircraft did crash with the pilot being killed, um, which was a shame. But No, I don't know what's happening with those other two aircraft. But looking at the range on this, 804 miles, or 802 miles maximum range, it's not that far, is it, really? No, no, but I bet that burned a lot of fuel. Yes, because of the speed it does, and I don't know whether we've actually got any other aircraft in service in the UK that is as fast as that. But we've got the new F-35 coming over, um, which will be called the Lightning II. Oh, did you know wow. that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's, that, they have nicknamed it the Lightning Two. So, wow, uh, that should be good. But it's um, it's got that distinctive uh, like triangle nose cone on the um, front of the aircraft, hasn't it? And, and just like- an interesting <coughs> fact as well here. Just reading through, um, the Lightning was a fully aerobatic aircraft and was capable of rates of roll far <laughs> in excess of that which could be normally tolerated by a pilot. Yes, so that, 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 it must have like, like the uh, the the, um, the story says it must have been like sitting on a sky rocket. Yes, literally. Yes, but um, obviously we're good through the sound barrier and everything uh, like that. And uh, so yeah. But as it, as it says, there are there's quite a lot of those in uh, on display. There's uh, a number of them in display. There's I think not hundred percent sure, but I think there's one at Flixton Aviation Museum. Yes, which is not and far then there's from one me. at Norwich Airport Aviation Museum as well. Duxford have. Um, some as well. Um, if we look on the uh, list here, it uh, tells you where um, they actually, uh, some of them are situated. Uh, There's one at Bruntingthorpe. Yeah, Imperial Yorkshire War Air Museum. Uh, yeah, Air Imp- Imperial War Museum, Duxford have XM135. Um, there's numerous other aircraft based all over there. Oh, <coughs> this, there's the one near us there, ZF592. Um, that's based at Norwich Aviation, yes. City of Norwich yes. Aviation Museum, which is near us. Yes. So there are um, one or two uh, based sort of, uh, or I said one or two, there's quite a few uh, based around the country at uh, Airshow Museums and stuff, so if you wish to take a look. And I think Bruntingthorpe, um, which I think, I know that Bruntingthorpe do uh, uh, engine runs with their lightning down there on the cold wall. War Jets Day. And for those of you who are fans of the programme Top Gear, um, which is big in this in the UK and big all over the world, I think, um, British journalist and TV presenter Jeremy Car- uh, Clarkson borrowed a Lightning, serial number XM172, which was temporarily placed in his garden and documented on Clarkson's TV show Top Gear. There oh, we go. Oh, didn't know that. <laughs> Right, so we're going to leave uh, our in-focus aircraft for the week. That was the electric lightning. And uh, we're going to do uh, the listener mail and bring the show to a close, Simon. Okay, let's go. Let's go with our listener mail. And now, it's time for the listener mail. Right, so we've got some listener mail then uh, to uh, to go through. A, few, a couple of bits, anyway. Uh, we're going to give a mention um, to Pilot Pip, 
Uh, now, Pilot Pip contacted us a few episodes ago, um, and he was interested in starting his own podcast. And uh, he's actually uh, this week sent me a, a sort of a, um, a draft copy to listen to of his first podcast, which uh, was awesome. Um, so, Pilot Pip, if you're listening, uh, well done. And uh, I listened to that. And since then, uh, in the last uh, couple of days, he's put that podcast on iTunes to listen to. Uh, it's the Plane Safety Podcast. And uh, you'll be able to find it on uh, iTunes if you look for Plane Safety Podcast. And uh, Pilot Pip is a pilot. Yes, uh, he does fly uh, for uh, quite a large uh, global airline, and uh, he uh, obviously, like we said, being a pilot has quite uh, a, a quite a good look on uh, all things concerning aircraft safety and flight safety. Um, and he's produced his show, uh, the Plane Safety Podcast, and uh, it's it is really good. It's a good listen, Simon. Yes, um, and uh, can I uh, thank you? Because um, he sent me a request to be his friend, and uh, I've um, confirmed that uh, request that he sent me the other day. Yeah. So thanks, Pilot Pip. Um, now uh, one of your friends on Facebook. Yeah, he's uh, he's on Facebook. You can you can find him on Facebook, Pilot Pip. Uh, P.I.P. Papa India Papa. If you look for him uh, on there, you'll be able to find him on Facebook, and uh, obviously you could be able to search for him on uh, on iTunes and download his uh, his podcast. His first one is on there, and uh, he's got some great content on the show. And hopefully, we're fingers crossed, uh, sort of getting uh, in contact with Pip in regards to coming on the show and sort of having a chat about uh, his uh, his life as being a pilot. It'll be uh, it'll be our second pilot on the show. Yes. Obviously, we had uh, Captain Jeff on the show. Yes. Uh, episode twelve, I think that was. We had uh, Captain Jeff on while you were, while you were off, Simon. Um, and it'll be good to have him on. Yes. And we'll get yeah. him on via Skype and have yes. a chat with Pip. So look up that one, Plane Safety Podcast. And also, uh, in the last uh, few days, we've had uh, some voice feedback sent to us, which is really good. Yes, we like uh, voice feedback, uh, or any type of feedback, really, but we love uh, voice feedback. Yeah, we do love voice feedback. Um, So we're going to play that voice feedback now. Hello, Carlos and Simon. This is Tony here from uh, the north in the UK. Uh, about 30 miles uh, drive from Manchester Airport. I've been listening to you uh, ask about some feedback from a podcast, so I thought I'd take uh, some time up, uh, off today to uh, give you a little bit of feedback on uh, the podcast. Well, for me, uh, it's great. I enjoy it. Um, I think the balance is really good. Uh, from the commercial uh, information uh, and also the general aviation and uh, enjoy the military so I don't think uh, there's too much of one or the other at the minute it's just about right and I think it appeal, probably appeals to a lot of people for that reason uh, I think the particular uh, focus on some of the regional airports is also interesting because uh, I didn't know, for instance, what went on at Norwich. I, I knew there was a airport there, but some of the information you've given about general goings and comings there and what goes on, uh, it's been great. So yeah, nice to uh, get a bit of the UK slant on things. I was brought here 
um, to Plain Talk in UK from, uh, I think it was a mention on Airline Pilot Guy. So, uh, yeah, I've been listening to you since uh, your, first poc- uh, your first podcast, and I think it's number 15 is your next one now. Uh, my interest in aviation uh, was ignited really from uh, a trip in the early 70s as a young man, teenager in fact, on a uh, Boeing 707-320C, I think it was. And that was uh, with British Caledonian. And I flew to um, California, well, to Oakland, in fact, um, for a trip, for a holiday. And indeed, since then, I've been on the TriStar, the DC-10, and uh, flown on the, uh, the Airbus, on the obligatory holiday routes to the various European destinations. So, yeah, keep up the good work. Uh, and, yeah, I really enjoy it. Looking forward to your next offering from the uh, kitchen studio. So thanks again, and take care, guys. Right, well, thanks for that, Tony. It's uh, good that uh, you sent us some voice feedback. Nice to hear from you. Nice to know that uh, that we've definitely got some listeners uh, somewhere in the UK. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, thanks very much indeed for that. And um, we'll try and give you some more information on uh, other uh, regional airports in the UK because a lot of people um, just know the main regional airports yeah the, they? the bigger ones uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're sort of in the country country side of it yeah now, we are uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we only drive tractors out here yeah we do don't we yeah <laughs> Yes, yeah, so thanks again. Like I said, thanks, Tony, for that uh, voice feedback. Don't forget, if you want to send us some uh, some voice feedback, you can do that um, via our website. Send us an email. Or you can uh, email us uh, direct at uh, plaintalkinguk at hotmail.com. Um, send us uh, your MP3 file on there. Do us a, do us a recording or send us some feedback. Uh, let's hear some feedback um, from around the world, uh, so if you're listening uh, from uh, anywhere around the world, because uh, we do have listeners uh, in the States, uh, Canada and Australia, New Zealand, send us some voice feedback um, to our email address. Uh, it'd be great to uh, to hear you and, and obviously put you on the show so the whole world can hear you. So uh, we're going to bring episode number 15 of the Plain Talking UK podcast to a close um, like we said, we've been broadcasting today from uh, Walt Horton Mansion. Yes, second uh, HQ. Our second kitchen uh, studio. Headquarters, yes. <laughs> Headquarters. Yes. Um, um, that has been good, Simon. It, it has, it has. And uh, thanks for coming over. And no, um, right. look at this weather. has started to warm up again because we went into a cold spell a few days ago. We did, yeah. But we're now starting to warm back up. The leaves are now starting to come out on the trees. The clock's do go forward tonight. Yes, don't forget me- that. I will mention that because um, I nearly forgot that. So we're forward one hour and we uh, go into British summertime. So that is um, oh, good. Oh, losing our sleep, Simon. Oh, dear, dear. So oh. I may have to have an extra hour in bed. <laughs> really? What, with all the girls here? Yeah, I don't yeah. think you get an extra hour in bed well, with all, the, all your girls I'm here. I'm doing a uh, Mother's Day roast uh, from home tomorrow. So uh, I've got my mum coming round and obviously I've uh, got uh, Lynn and her mum and the girls here. So we're going to have a nice... Um, to meet joint tomorrow. Uh, we to have, meet joint. Yes, oh, we've lucky. got we've got gammon and we've got roast beef. So and all roast, the trimmings, roast beef, Yorkshire oh, puddings, dear. and all the gravy and vegetables. So lovely. Can't oh, wait for that. Mega. Oh. I bet you'd wish you were around here. Well, you? or you're going to stay. <laughs> actually, tomorrow being Mother's Day, uh, we're taking my mother out uh, for a meal to uh, a restaurant which is quite close to home. It's only about a mile down the road. Yes. 
Um, so we're taking my mum there for dinner tomorrow. Don't yes. don't forget your mums <clears throat> yes. on Mother's Day. Flowers, cards, cards everything else. Flowers, yeah. Money, chocolates, cars, yeah. Uh, aircraft, Air, yeah. <laughs> yes, big aircraft, <laughs> big aircraft. Yeah, yeah. Buy your mum a, a Cessna. Yeah. Um, yes. So we better bring this episode to a close. Yes. Otherwise, we'll be, it'll be dark before we know. Yeah. It, I've got to go and. Go and load all the equipment for tonight's karaoke in the van. Yes, and uh, as I said earlier, I'll be uh, joining you for a nice drink in the uh, pub. Yes, Simon's coming out tonight. He's coming out uh, to see me uh, in the, all my disco DJ regalia. Yes, that should, be good. That should yes. be good. Yeah. Yep. So we're going to bring episode 15 to a close end of the Plain Talking UK podcast. Don't forget, find us on Facebook, search for us on there, Plain Talking UK, P-L-A-N-E, Talking UK. Uh, podcast you'll find us on facebook and we're also on twitter search for us on twitter and follow us on there and don't forget send us some feedback send us some more feedback yes, we love to we hear from you we want to hear from you we love uh, feedback uh, so uh, yeah. it's always welcome yes definitely keep sending that in and don't forget check out pips podcast the plane safety one on itunes um, start downloading that another one to add to our list of things to listen to Simon yes yes yeah. and uh, as I said uh, before um, it's now starting to get into the summer season so uh, the uh, podcast may uh, be getting a little more extended now um, as we have more information on all the air shows and uh, more aircraft being added each day and each week uh, so uh, lots to look forward to lots of special uh, aircraft uh, displays this season Um uh, for the Red Arrows and uh, for um, one or two other um, display teams. And I'm sure we're going to have some uh, special treats this year regarding uh, all the air shows that we go to. So, yes. Yep, so that's it then for episode 15. Thanks for listening, uh, as always. And uh, we'll come back to you soon with episode number 16. Won't we, 16, Simon? wow. 16, excellent. Okay, so from me, take care and uh, keep, uh, as Simon says, keep your eyes to the sky. And it's a uh, happy flying from me. And from you, Simon? Yeah, happy flying from me, uh, eyes to the sky, and look forward to uh, speaking to you all again uh, on podcast number 16. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.